Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I don't know where you serve, whether it's on the outside with curtains or construction type stuff or in the sanctuary kind of a deal or whatever it is, every bit of it matters to God. And it's absolutely essential to be able to go from here to wherever it is that he's calling us to go to next. It all matters. It all matters. You need a whole team to do this thing. Do you ever feel like your work has no meaning? You do your day job and feel like you just wasted an entire day completing meaningless tasks. In today's message, Pastor James is going to encourage you that anything you do for God matters to him. Whether you're picking up trash, moving chairs, teaching kids, or leading worship, it's all important work in God's eyes. Don't get discouraged thinking that somehow your work is meaningless. God doesn't rely on the pastor to teach the gospel. It takes the whole church body. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Numbers chapter 3, good news for you is, well, there's some more numbers to cover, but not a lot, all right? Just one tribe, it's okay, it's okay, just one tribe, you'll make it. So we're going to cover 3 and 4 because they go together, and then we'll get into chapter 5. You guys road trippers? You guys like going on road trips? Yeah, yeah? What you know about road trips is this, like we all love spontaneous things. I'm sure maybe you do, or maybe that's a nightmare for you. One thing I know with like being from going from a single man to a, not just a married man, but a family man is that in order to go on a long road trip, there has to be planning. There has to be packing. And if it's me, oh, it's got to be packed just right. Okay, I am playing Tetris with my car and suitcase of like, if I turn it this way and then I can get more in here and all that. It's a game I love to play. I love it. It's fun. I'll take everything out and redo it if I have to. I love it. But you, but because in my head, you, you have to plan accordingly because you're going to go on this journey. And if you're going to go on this journey, you got to try to make it as pleasant as possible. It's fun, you know, seeing new sites and all that good stuff, but you can't just throw stuff in the car. We can't just do that. That's chaos. That's madness. Who does that? All right. You, you just got to plan and, and numbers like these first few chapters in numbers is like the it's the planning process. It's the, you know, getting everybody ordered and, you know, everything just organized. And that's why I love about this book is it shows that that God's a God of order. He's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos and just kind of like, oh, you just do whatever you want to do right? No, he's a God of order. We saw that through the book of Exodus, for sure. Leviticus, for sure. And then Numbers as well. As as they're getting ready to go on this journey, they've just been set free, delivered from Egypt and bondage and all that good stuff. Now they're about to go on the road trip of a lifetime, two-week-long journey, should have been. But before they all, you know, some odd million of these people get on the road, they have to know how to pack, they got to get everything ready to go, and there has to, it has to be done decently and in order. It just has to. Because if you're all just, 
You've seen the commercial about those cowboys trying to herd cats, right? You've seen those before? Like there's a Super Bowl commercial a few years back and there's these ranchers and they're, they're driving cats instead of cattle and the cats are everywhere, right? That's what happens when you got like a million plus people and you're trying to get them from point A to point B with no plan. So God's laying out a plan. We got all our tribes, they're numbered, the, the warriors, they're, they're numbered, they're all ordered on, centered around the tabernacle, which is the presence of God. And this, these tribes over here, these tribes over here, and these tribes and these tribes, it's east, it's west, it's north, it's south, and there's 12 tribes and all that good stuff. But then you got the Levites that we're going to be talking about in chapter three, where they take position within the camp and how this all kind of works out. So let's, let's look at chapter three. This is the family line of Aaron. This is verse one. And Moses, as it was recorded, when the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. So Aaron and Moses are both from the tribe of Levi. Okay. They're Levites, right? So verse two, the names of Aaron's sons were Nadab, the oldest, Abihu, that's how you say his name, Eleazar, and Ithamar. These sons of Aaron were anointed and ordained to minister as priests. We saw that in Leviticus, okay? But Nadab and Abihu, they died in the presence of the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai when they burned before the Lord the wrong kind of fire or strange fire, technically, different than he had commanded, okay? So right off the bat, the, the, you know, everybody who's around and they're going to be getting this like marching orders kind of a thing right off the bat, the Lord's letting them know there's a catastrophe that had happened. Aaron lost his two boys. He's got other sons, but he lost two of his, his boys. And, and what's fascinating about this is the first failure was from the priest and not the people. Once they get out of Egypt and they get all set up and everything's going tabernacles, you know, they got the plan, it's being constructed and all that good stuff. Priests are getting anointed and everything. Like this is past like golden calf type stuff, which Aaron was a part of that. Remember, he kind of came up with the plan, right? (laughs) So even beyond that, once you got everything established, the first failure came from the priest and not the people, which is pretty telling because the people will follow along in that line. Because leadership, it, it trickles down. And so if you got bad leadership, that will infiltrate into, especially church-wise, it can infiltrate into the congregation. See that all the time. But the Lord is letting them know, like, oh yeah, let's talk about the Levites. Oh, by the way, Aaron lost his two sons because they didn't serve right. They were not obedient. They were not obedient. And their disobedience served as a tremendous example that you do not mess with God. You do not mess with God. And oftentimes, he'll throw down these very extreme scenarios to communicate a message. We saw that in the book of Acts. Get a husband and wife who everybody's getting caught up in the emotions of it all, and everybody's giving, and they're selling, and they're exchanging with one another, and there's people who don't have stuff within the church, and so Ananias and Sapphira are like, well, we're going to get on board with this, and we're going to sell our property, and they sold it for this much, but then they said they gave, you know, they only gave this much, and nobody cared by, about how much they gave. Even God didn't care. The fact was that they lied. They lied about it. They didn't lie to to the church. They lied to God by lying to the Holy Spirit, who is God. And he took them out. First beginning stages of the church, and God's communicating a lesson of like, don't lie. 
Don't, don't, lie, don't lie to the Holy Spirit. We, this is not acceptable. So from the very beginning, here we have an example from the priesthood of two individuals who chose not to honor God. Okay, the, the, the basis of their story is this. They chose not to listen and obey to God. And when you boil that down, they, they did not honor him. So they died. Since, the verse goes on, they had no sons, this left only Eliezer and Ithamar to serve as priests with their father Aaron. Okay, so in another interesting dynamic to that is you have one tribe that has been chosen by God to be, to serve as the priest for the nation. And that's coming from Aaron's, you know, from his genes, so to speak, right? It's his kids. It's his boys. Well, their sin not only affected themselves, but it also affected the nation to where now you have like, you have less priests than what you should have. Okay. Now there's a solution to the problem because we're actually going to see the math on this and there is a shortage. And it could be because two dudes chose not to honor God and he took them out. But now you got Eliezer, you got Ithamar, and, and there, you know, and there's some other descendants and all that good stuff. But this is where we're focusing in on. Verse five, the Lord said to Moses, call for the tribe of Levi, present them to Aaron the priest to serve as his assistants. They will serve Aaron and the whole community, performing their sacred duties in and around the tabernacle. They will also maintain all the furnishings of the sacred tent. Serving in the tabernacle on behalf of all the Israelites, assign the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They have been given from among all the people of Israel to serve as their assistants. Appoint Aaron and his sons to carry out the duties of the priesthood. But any unauthorized person who goes too near the sanctuary must be put to death. <laughs> like, yeah, and you would think after some of these stories, these people are going to get that. They're like, we should probably listen to that one. Yeah, yeah, there's, I, I would hope that there's a line around the tabernacle, right? Like, please tell me you marked it off, right? Like caution tape around this thing. Don't go over, like if you go to a museum or something, they're like, you're not supposed to cross barriers and all that good stuff. I would hope that there's some sort of barrier, but good chances is that everybody just knew. Don't get too close to this thing. If you don't, if you have no business getting close to it, then don't get close to it. Because I think God means what he says. And Aaron sure knows that by losing two of his boys. So they're assembling all the Levites, all these, all the Levite men. And it says, the Lord said to Moses, look, I've chosen the Levites from among the Israelites to serve as substitutes for all the firstborn sons of the people of Israel. The Levites belong to me for all the firstborn males are mine. On the day I struck down all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, I set apart for myself all the firstborn in Israel, both people and of animals. They are mine. I am the Lord. Period. Right? He's like, boom. And Moses is like, the Levites belong to me. And so he references back there in, in, uh, in Exodus when they dedicated, so to speak, the firstborn, the firstborn sons of the Israelites and the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, you know, they passed away, they died. And, and so what God had established then was like all firstborn of, you know, male and then also the animals, they belong to me, which is oftentimes why you see like baby dedications. Now we do where baby dedications now could be boys, girls and all that good stuff. It's fine. But oftentimes it was like you would dedicate your firstborn son to the Lord. 
Here you go, Lord. Now, as they've assembled and, and they're making their move into the promised land or planning to, the Lord is letting Moses know the Levites are mine. They're mine. Okay? So, you know, what you saw in Egypt and all that good stuff that still correlates to where they live today, but the Lord is saying, I'm choosing all of the Levites as my own. Okay? So, Instead of all the firstborn sons of Israel being set aside to serve at the, t- at the tabernacle, God just chose those from the tribe of Levi, okay? So he's like, you guys keep your sons. I got the Levites. They're going to serve me in the tabernacle and all that good stuff. So with that, now you got you to register everybody. You got to go through this process, right? The Lord spoke to Moses again in the wilderness of Sinai. He says, record the names and the members of the tribe of Levi by their families and clans, List every male who is one month old or older. So Moses listed them just as the Lord had commanded. Verse 17, Levi had three sons whose names were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Verse 18, the clans descended from Gershon were named after two of his descendants, Libni and Shimei. Cool names there. The clans descended from Kohath were named after four of his descendants, Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel, like that one. The clans descended from Merai were named after two of his descendants, Machli, and my favorite, Mushi. I like that. Mushi. That's so fun. Mushi. Why didn't I name any of my kids Mushi? I don't know. It's a great name. I don't know what it means. I normally look up definitions of names and stuff, but that really sounds like something like, if any of you got like a little fluffy dog recently, Mushi may need to be its name, okay? That one's free, all right? So anyways, Mushi, I don't know. That just sounds, it just sounds awesome. Uh, Anyways, these were the Levite clans listed according to their family groups. So not a whole lot there, but these are just the representatives. Descendants of Gershom were composed of clans descended from Libni and Shimei. There were 7,500 males, one month old or older, among the Gershonite clans. They were assigned to the area west of the tabernacle for their camp. So they're westsiders, okay? Okay, the Gershonites are westsiders. The leader of the Gershonite clans was Eliasaph, son of Leel. These two clans were responsible for the care of the tabernacle including the sacred tent with its layers of coverings. Go back to uh, Exodus if you want to know what those layers were. The curtain at its entrance, the curtains of the courtyard that surrounded the tabernacle, and the altar and the curtain at the courtyard entrance, the ropes, and all the equipment related to their use. So these guys' specific jobs was just that part of it. Okay? Now, they just do that. That's all that you're assigned. You and your clan, your group... That's your only job. Just do that. But I really want to do this part. No, 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 no. What's your last name? Gershon, right? Gershonite? Okay, that's not their last name, but you get it. No, you only do this, but I have ambitions to do this. No, you do this. Why? Because that's what God said. Because that's what he said. Okay? You can have dreams. You can have ambitions and all that cool stuff. But sometimes you just got to fulfill the role that God called you to fulfill and be happy with it. And just be happy. Contentment. That's a hard lesson to learn. So that's their clan. Westsiders. They're taking care of the curtains. All right. Descendants of Kohath, verse 27, were composed of the clans descended from Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel. There were 8,600 males. Now there's discrepancy here. Okay. I gave you a heads up of this last week. Is it 8,600 or is it 8,300? I don't know. 
but don't stop following the Lord because I don't know, all right? So if you abandon your faith in Jesus because there's 300 people that either are accounted for or not accounted for, you're going to be okay, all right? Just don't, follow, don't stop following Jesus because of that, all right? Why, why is there a difference? And all that? We can get into it, but there, it's, it's a textual thing, okay? It could be a, when they were recording it that, you know, the, it could have been somebody, you know, Put 86 instead of 8,300 or 83 instead of 8,600. It's, it's really not that big of a deal, but I'm sure there's an explanation for it. I read today, couldn't find one that was actually super convincing. <laughs> so it's like, all right, I'm just going to move on. And hopefully you can too. Anyways, New Living Translation goes with 8,600. Yours may, if you're like New King James, I don't know, that may say 86, but it could say 83. 83? Yeah, okay. So you got 8,600 males, one month or older, from the Kohathite clans. They were responsible for the care of the sanctuary. They were assigned the area south of the tabernacle for their camp. So they're, they're southsiders, all right? They're the southern boys, okay? You got to watch out for these guys, okay? They do things their own, their own way. That's just how we are in the south. Anyways, so they are going to take care of the sanctuary. The leader of the Kohathite the clan was uh, Elizaphan, I don't know, um, son of Uziel. There you go. Four clans were responsible for the care of the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, and the various articles used in the sanctuary, the inner curtain, and all the equipment related to their use. Eliezer, son of Aaron, the priest, was the chief administrator over all the Levites with special responsibility for the oversight of the sanctuary. So like this is getting to the inner part and this is serious stuff. This is serious stuff. So those guys in the South are like, oh, oh, cool. We get to do, oh, wait a minute. We got to do all that stuff. Like, can't we die? They saw Indiana Jones. They know if you open that ark, you're going to melt away, right? Like they're like, this is serious. Yeah, this is a serious role and responsibility. And they needed oversight. Notice here, you're introduced to they have an overseer, okay? The first group, outside curtains and all that stuff, you guys know what to do? Knock yourself out. You guys dealing with the, the ark and all that stuff? Oh, no, you need some oversight. And they get an overseer. The sentence, verse 33 of uh, Mary R, Mary R, I, I don't know, were composed of the clans descended from Mahali, and there he is, Mushi. There were 6,200 males, one month old or older among the Mariite clans. They were assigned just to the north of the tabernacle or the north side for their camp. The leader of the Mariite, Mariite clans was Uziel, right? No, Uri, Zuriel, I'm sorry, my, I'm seeing other names now, son of Abigail. That was a good one. These two clans were responsible for the care of the frame supporting the tabernacle, the cross beams or crossbars, pillars, bases, and all the equipment related to their use. They were also responsible for the post of the courtyard and all their bags, pegs, and ropes. So these guys are structure kind of guys, right? These are their, your, your, heavy, your heavy lifters, okay? These, are, these guys have to carry all this stuff. A lot of, the, a, a lot of just structural stuff. They're, they're taking it down, they're setting it up, all that good stuff. The area in front of the tabernacle in the east toward the sunrise. This is, so this is our last little side for the, tribes, uh, for the tribe of Levi, okay? The front of the tabernacle, in the east, toward the sunrise. I love how that's just added there. It was reserved for the tents of Moses, Aaron, and his sons. Okay, so you got, you got your west side, 
and your north side and your south side, those are covered. But the east side where the sun rises, well, that's where Moses and Aaron and, and Aaron's sons, that's where they camp out, okay? It's like they got prime real estate. You know, they get to see those awesome sunrises. That's pretty cool. But they're set up there. They, it says they had the final responsibility for the sanctuary on behalf of the people of Israel. Anyone other than the priest or than a priest or a Levite who went too near the sanctuary was to be put to death. When Moses and Aaron counted the Levite clans at the Lord's command, the total number was 22,000 males, one month or older, all right? So you got your number, you got plus or minus 300, it's okay, but that's the number you have for the Levites, one month and older. So we're not counting, you know, the 20 plus older warriors. These are like, these are guys who are destined to be servants of the tabernacle, like from birth from birth, like they are set apart, so to speak, and they have tremendous responsibility, and, and each group has varying responsibilities, but guess what? All four are important. All four are essential and necessary for the trip, for the road trip, because you've got to have the guys, even if you're like, you're the curtain guy, you got to have somebody who takes down the curtains and then knows how to fold those things and pack them away, and get them, and when, we, when it's time to set up, that they know how to set those things up. Absolutely important. Absolutely important. Well, but I'm not a sanctuary guy. Okay. <laughs> That's a, yeah, those guys, if, if they're not careful, they'll get killed by God. <laughs> okay? That's one of the warnings within the text is like, you have to like, if you're part of a sanctuary team, that's a serious thing. That's a serious thing. But the curtain guys, the outside guys, absolutely important. The guys who handle the construction of the thing, absolutely important. And for sure, Moses and Aaron and his sons bear most of the responsibility and the importance. It falls onto their shoulders. Why? Because they're the leaders. Because they're the leaders. And a good little lesson within all that is just, I don't know where you serve whether it's on the outside with curtains or construction type stuff or in the sanctuary kind of a deal or whatever it is, every bit of it matters to God. And it's absolutely essential to be able to go from here to wherever it is that he's calling us to go to next. It all matters. It all matters. You need a whole team to do this thing. Just like I loved in Exodus when we were going through the, um, you know, Moses was given the blueprints for everything, everything down to the curtains and the colors and pomegranates hanging off of stuff and all that fun stuff. Like he was given the blueprints for that. And then it was time to delegate the responsibility to those who are gifted within, you know, those specific realm, you know, realms or, or talents and all that good stuff. And, and they got to work and they did exactly what they were called to do. And it came out perfect and beautifully. And it's just, it's an amazing thing to read through. I would encourage you, well, maybe this next month, you'll be in the book of Exodus as you read through the Bible. Pay attention to that stuff because that translates to where we're at today. You know, the body of Christ is this beautiful, dynamic thing, this organism that is alive and that has to have order. It has to have structure, has to. And what, what's cool about that is knowing like, this is what God has made me to do. And for some of these people within this is like, you know, you had to have guys who are like, I only make the utensils for the, for the temple or for the tabernacle, but I do that for his glory. 
And it's not that I only get to do this. I get to do this. I get to, I get to make the curtains for the tabernacle. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken, a radio broadcast ministry of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Pastor James Grizzle has been teaching through the Book of Numbers. This is one of many messages found at breadforthebroken.com. So if you missed a portion of it today, we hope that you'll take the time to listen to it in its entirety. The website again is breadforthebroken.com. We understand that your minutes are precious to you and you have other obligations to fulfill. So why not listen on the go through our Facebook live stream? Or better yet, if you're in Galveston, Texas, on business or vacation, why don't you stop in to see what we're all about? If you enjoy a laid-back feel, then this is the place for you. Come worship Jesus while spending time with other believers at one of our two services, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. We'd love to meet you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Do you ever feel like you want to be a part of something bigger, but you're unsure of how or what that is? Here at Bread for the Broken, we want to help everyone find hope and new life in Jesus Christ. So we're curious if you'd team up with us to reach as many as possible. On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a place for you to donate to this ministry. We simply ask that you pray about it and follow the Lord's leading, whatever that might be. Thanks again for spending part of your day with us today. Tune in again next time to spend time in God's Word with Pastor James Grizzle here on Bread for the Broken.